Welcome to Speak Up Queen, the podcast inspiring you to find your inner queen and step into your power. You're listening to me, Abby, and as always, I'm joined by Hannah and Zoe. We're three life coach gal pals empowering you to speak your truth by sharing ours. Join us as we explore the world of personal development, wellness, and taboo topics through juicy, expansive conversations. Because of the open and honest nature of this episode, I just want to give you a trigger warning in advance about the mention of suicidal thoughts. Hello, we are back. It's me, Abby, hosting today with Zoe and Hannah here. And this week, we're going to be exploring the taboo topic of mental health. We'll share our own personal experiences, what has been supportive and unsupportive for us as individuals, um, and also how we can be part of um, an opening up of the mental health conversation within our families and friendship circles and wider. So girls, why do you think that there is still such a taboo with mental health? Um, Zoe, do you want to go first? Yeah, hi. I am like so excited about this one. I think this is going to be such a good, juicy, like informative episode. And I think it's something that's so needed especially now as we're like in lockdown again and it's just been a tough Mm. year for everyone so in terms of why there's a taboo I think generally there's still quite like a lack of understanding around mental health like what it is how it's caused and the help that's needed for people that may be finding things difficult or the struggles they're facing and I still think there's a lot of stigma around mental health that it means that someone needs to be admitted to an institution or a drug doc just to function day to day and that obviously makes us less likely to open up and say how we feel because we have this fear of being judged as weird or we're broken or we're crazy. And I think as well, like it's still seen as a weakness. Like for women, we have spent decades trying to prove that we're strong and just as capable as men. So if we then start to struggle, it can feel like we're feeling or like we're letting, you know, women kind down. And there's a really unhealthy mindset as well that it's a normal it's a normal part of life and we should you know life should be difficult like that's just the way things are and why are we moaning because that's just what's expected out of life and it almost becomes like a competition in workplaces or friendship groups as to who's having the worst day who's had the least sleep like who's struggling with things the most but it's more surface level so it doesn't go any deeper and then that combined with the expectation that life's generally shit just makes you feel like there's something wrong with you if you find things hard you know, you don't really feel like you can talk about it because who are you to talk about those kind of things? So I think there's still a lot of misunderstanding around mental health and how much it can actually affect people. Mm, Totally. And what you said about it being, it being normal, that's, that's one of the, the most bizarre things that I noticed about when I look back from when I was in the workplace, like everyone was suffering in some way but it was it was just normal. We didn't talk about it because it just seemed like you just put up with it and, and went on with your day. But Hannah, what do you what would you say for that one? Oh, yeah, I completely agree with everything that Zoe just said. Um, and I think it's really interesting when you look at how mental health is viewed in like different parts of the world, which is something that I just like was not aware of until recently. Like, I think the Eastern world generally deals so much better with mental health. And I think maybe that that could partly just be to do with like spirituality. Like, I think they are just so much more in tune with um, 
with themselves and getting to know themselves and kind of just taking the time over everything really whereas in the western world we're just sort of like rushing about and it's kind of seen as like a strength to be like a go 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 type person um Mm. and anyone you know even like some people that into personal development and like spirituality are kind of like taking the piss out of a little bit um so I think yeah like in the western world especially in the UK we definitely have this like keep calm and carry on mindset um where yeah we just push stuff under the carpet um and of course doing that can actually like cause mental health problems in the first place but yeah I think there's a lot of shame put on mental health sufferers so yeah shame is a huge one and I also think deep down actually a lot of us fear it and I think that fear kind of stops us from talking about it and like Zoe was saying like films and stuff haven't helped with this like where we kind of see like mental health sufferers constantly popping pills and people just who just like aren't functioning and yeah I think people fear that meant if you suffer with mental health then then you are crazy and you know the easier way to deal with that is to not deal with it or to like take the piss out of it um Mm. And of course, like the pill popping and the not being able to function is is so, so real. But yeah, I think there is just this fear that if you if you have mental health issues, then you are literally mental. And I de- that's definitely how I used to feel. Like I used to feel like I, I probably should be in like a mental <laughs> home because I didn't realize that it was normal. And I think taking mental health caused by grief for example like in certain parts of the eastern world like when someone dies it's extremely normal for like all of the community to come together and literally like wail together on the streets and like in the UK 90% of people would probably see that as like a being like so weird and taking the piss out of it and also just being like scary and I think yeah a lot of people are just scared to like actually deal with raw emotions but I think it's like through that that we can help to kind of undo the taboo. Mm, it's definitely, it definitely is all in the emotions, isn't it? And the way that we express those, I would say. Um, what do you think the different taboos really are that, that surround this? I think that, yeah, that it's, it's weakness, that suffering with mental health is a weakness. It's just like a huge, huge thing. And I think... Yeah, like I said, in this Western society, we do favour more of like the masculine world. And we see people that kind of can just keep calm and carry on as, as being strong. And anyone that can't is like the opposite. And to me, like I'm the strongest person that I know because of everything that I've dealt with. And yeah, mm. like there are, you know, there are certain things that maybe like I can't do that someone else could do but they haven't been through what I've been through. Yeah, another taboo is just that like, you're weird. Um, And a big one actually is that you're attention seeking. I think a lot of people think that like, it's attention seeking. And, you know, this kind of isn't helped by people saying stuff like, you know, oh my God, I, I just had a massive panic attack about this thing when actually, like they didn't at all. And I think that, maybe doesn't help it's I don't know I feel like anxiety has almost become a bit of like a hashtag Mm. and it's a hard one because it's great that people are talking about it a lot more and of course 
no matter what level of anxiety you have it's um it's all very very valid I think like we're kind of a lot of the time in society we like we downplay how like big these emotions can feel so I think one of the things is like when people say oh I'm just so OCD but they're not OCD they just like things to be tidy and they just like things to have a place and that downplays actually how difficult those mental health issues can actually be and it becomes just like a fun thing to say or like the buzzword of of the month and things so then when people genuinely struggle with it they're seen as dramatic or you know it's not that bad like you just like things to be tidy or you know you're just feeling a bit sad today so I think that then plays into this thing of well you're just seeking attention aren't you you're just being dramatic like get over it it's fine Um, and I don't think that helps helps people who are genuinely struggling yeah I, I completely agree yeah and I think there is also this mindset from a lot of people who just don't get it that like you can just snap out of it and that's something I really struggled with before like people being like you know just just pull yourself together it's hard for some people to not just look at you and think like well, you're you're a human being like me like you can you can walk you can talk so you can also pull yourself out of this and it's people don't necessarily understand that it is actually like an illness yeah I, I hope to think that we're realizing more and more that it is absolutely as as valid or um, if not more at sometimes than the physical illnesses that we have. And I, I absolutely love, Hannah, how you said that your mental health has really shaped you and made you stronger into who you are today. Um, because I think we find a lot of strength in, in, in and along that journey as well. And from a, from a more personal perspective, point of view of the um the taboos and, and and where it comes from like for me it can it can feel really difficult to to open up that conversation both ways so whether it's it's me having a, a tough time or the people that are surrounding me so for me I've always been quite a private person and I wouldn't say I'm used to speaking about my feelings and emotions um, and because of that I think I've previously assumed that others would find it difficult so you can feel like quite reluctant to broach the subject out of fear of causing any pain or discomfort to others um when actually now um I believe that braving those honest open questions is key so that people know that they can open up and they've got permission to do that you know and use that as as a as a prompt to do so and actually it's it's really unlikely to make the person feel any worse than they already do and I had this realization as well when I volunteered with a lady with dementia and I was really keen to know after my travels um how she was I was thinking about her a lot but at the same time I was quite concerned that um she might have passed away due to her condition and it had probably been 18 months since I'd spoken with the family and I was really in initially really reluctant to contact the family because I didn't want to upset them if she had passed away but I realized that me inquiring about her wasn't going to make them feel any worse than they already did if she had already passed away like that wasn't going to make their pain any worse and actually um it, it was that she had passed away, but he sent me, um, her son who I spoke to, sent me some really kind words back for actually thinking about his mom. And it's those sort of sentiments that we sometimes hold back from sharing with each other out of fear of 
I think sometimes out of fear of making it a thing or, you know, offending somebody or upsetting them because of the taboo and stigma that there has um, that there's been around this. So what changes would you say need to be made with this and how would they be made? Yeah, so I think there's actually a lot that needs to be done, really. And I think specifically from a younger age, because I think for a lot of us as adults, you know, we're thrown into the world of mental health and like all these issues and we don't have anything to build upon. We don't we don't really understand what's going on. And I know for a lot of people like that I've spoken to myself, my friends, family, you get to this point and you think you've had all these feelings for so long and you don't know where they've come from. You don't realize that it's normal. So I think a lot more needs to be done from a younger age and like in schools, like from my experience as a teacher, like we, there is a massive shift now on mental health. And I do think it's something that needs to continue and needs to be developed to make sure that that keeps going. But I also think there needs to be more opportunities for parents as well to learn about mental health and how to support their children and even for them to understand like what might be going on for them. There needs to be more open and honest discussion about how your mental health might be affected and where you can get support from. Because I think for a lot of us, we don't really know where to start. Like what options do we have? And I think there needs to be more done on how to identify or support someone without pushing any misconceptions about mental health on them so Mm. so just telling them you know not to focus like just on happy things like like we were saying earlier like not just to snap out of it like I think there needs to be more done on how we can support each other because I know from my experience even though it's something that I have struggled with like with my mental health when someone comes to me I'm like oh what's the best way to respond to them like what do I say without saying Mm. the wrong thing or making them feel worse so it can be really difficult when someone opens up to you about their mental health but I think knowing that it's okay that they just need space to talk and to feel listened to and that you don't have to give them solutions would be a really important thing to be taught how to do and just and just to be there for them and I think that would make a huge difference in how like we likely we are to open up whether it's the family friends or colleagues I think that itself would be a huge shift for a lot of people yeah definitely what about you Han? yeah I I completely agree with Zoe and I think like if anyone is is listening who like maybe doesn't suffer with mental health themselves but like knows someone that is and and wants to know how to support them I think like yeah it's it's kind of like just taking the pressure off like you can't you can't fix someone but just being there and being open for those conversations and validating is is so important and I think it is hard for like for loved ones who are watching someone go through it because all you want to do is is like provide a fix for them but yeah in my experience just just having people there I'm just so glad to hear that obviously now like in schools it is so so different to when we were at school and yeah hopefully that just continues to like grow and and develop when I was at school it wasn't spoken about at all um and my first panic attack was actually at school and that probably didn't help because obviously you know school brings so much pressure anyway and I think, like you were saying, for parents as well, like it would, it would be good if there was like some kind of preteen course for parents, because I think there can be sort of underlying things in the lead up to your teens, like certain kind of conditioning or just like personality traits. And I think that you sort of can either go one way or the other. So I think sort of being aware of like signs and things leading up to that leading up to the teens where yeah where you can sort of go one way or the other 
would be really helpful because I think puberty is yeah it can kind of just be like the last thing the last trigger for people just education would undo so much fear and shame and I think as well like kids just being encouraged to be themselves from a young age rather than trying to like fit in a box set by society would help people so much like I think I said in our in our last episode um that you know I think there can be like energetic blocks and fears that get stuck in in your body and and they manifest as like as illness you know it can manifest as anxiety or as depression so I think just trying to be conscious of like where you're trying to like fit yourself into a box or where someone else is trying to fit you into a box that's actually like later down the line could cause you to kind of yeah just like explode in a way and yeah I think therapy needs to be normalized even more like there's definitely still a taboo with that and we are getting there and I think things obviously social media like that can have its own issues with with mental health but actually there are so many accounts now that talk about mental health and I think for teens it's really good that they can and adults obviously at least you know there are accounts and there are people out there that they can kind of seek out to know that they're not alone I think what you said about them focusing on encouraging our children or the the people around us especially the youngsters to be themselves from a young age it's almost like starting like your self-development spirituality journey whatever you call it like from from young yeah that would I just think that would be so amazing because I think a lot of people who who do suffer with with mental health I don't know I, I think for some people it can just be a manifestation of yeah not not feeling safe in their body and I think there are lots of things that can sort of uh, contribute to that that's definitely been the case for me anyway I think sometimes obviously it's stuff like with phobias like there can be like a very specific trigger yeah it's just it's so complex and everyone is everyone's just so so different like no no two people's story will be the same other changes I think that in the workplace like I think you know, people should be allowed to take like mental health sick days. And I know I've heard that being something like spoken about before. And then, you know, I've also heard people say, oh yeah, but people would just take the piss with that. And it's like, I don't know, we just, we just need to view it in a different way. Like I've definitely taken sick days before when it's been a mental health sick day, but I've just pretended that I've got a cold or something. I mean, that's something that I wouldn't do now but I've definitely done it in the past and it is because of that shame and just that lack of understanding it's just so much easier to say yeah I've got like a cold or whatever and I think just like in general this whole mindset of like pull yourself together needs to be changed and we we spoke very recently about like toxic positivity and toxic gratitude yeah like I've I've been told like you know there are children in the world who are dying of hunger like you know just be grateful and it just doesn't help like it just <laughs> makes you feel worse because then you're just there like thinking and worrying about children that are dying of hunger and being made to feel guilty and it's just like when your head isn't right it doesn't matter that you've got food on the table and you've got roof over your head I mean of course that does of course that does matter but it doesn't like snapping out of it it just isn't a thing Like it might be, you know, if you're just having like a bit of a moan and 
you know, you're just in a negative mindset, but that's very different to mental illness. Yeah, we need to know that these, that the feelings that we've got are, are completely valid. Yeah, definitely. And I think like, a lot of people still compare mental health to physical health. And I don't know, I feel like if if you talk to a lot of people like and you said you asked them you know which one do you do you think is most important like people I think most people have an opinion on it and actually like we do need to just see them as being equal um something that I've like you know really struggled hearing people talk about is is the mindset that being suicidal is selfish and it's just it's just so not the case it's just so so wrong particularly like people who have suffered like really bad with physical illness just can't necessarily, this isn't everyone, of course, but um, I think some people who suffer with physical illness just cannot get their head around the fact that someone who is healthy with their whole life ahead of them would take their life. But I think it's really important to remind people that like, if you're actually at the point where you've reached suicide, then you've lost all hope. So like your physical health doesn't even matter. And I just think that more people should like try and put themselves in the shoes of those people. Like what it must feel like to feel no hope, even despite having like your physical health and like a loving family. And then I just think we'd see so much more compassion for mental health sufferers. Like I think it's that compassion that we just need from everyone. Absolutely. And I think there's a certain amount of trust that we have to put in that the world is changing for the better. And I think it's, I think it's so, so beneficial for us to focus on what we can do to empower ourselves, because that is what is, that is where we can make the difference personally. And that is also what is likely then to positively impact our families, friends, colleagues, children. You know, I think we can practice speaking up like in last week's episode. And that includes being open and honest with emotions and practice opening up with conversations with others about how we how we broach that topic how we show others it's okay to feel what they're feeling be themselves and and share that in a way that they know that they're going to be supported and heard I also think that a focus on being proactively healthy rather than solely reactive has has supported me so what I mean by that is there's so many things that we can do now proactively for our health that will that can that can stop things in their tracks before getting to that stage of it manifesting the illness or manifesting the disease in your in your body and that's something we'll share more and more on as these um as these episodes continue but look within and see what we can do at the moment to support ourselves and be that role model for our friends and family would be um would be my response to that as well so personal personal question girls but what has been your experiences of your own mental health Hannah if you want to share with us firstly so much so much I have so much experience. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I would say I was always anxious, like right from a young age, but like at a very normal level, like I would get 
anxious about like starting a new year at school and things like that, which I, I know not all kids suffer with, but it was definitely like there in some capacity from a young age. And then when I, at age 14, um, I think I said earlier that I sort of, my first panic attack was at school. It just came like completely out of the blue. I was in an RE lesson and we were watching a video about euthanasia. Um, I don't, I literally don't know why. <laughs> yeah, literally like I wasn't really massively aware that I was being affected by this video. I, I, you know, I found it quite interesting, but I, it must've really affected me because I was just watching it. And then all of a sudden it was like, I just had this, you know, I, I didn't know it was a panic attack. It was like a complete out of body experience. I felt like I was going mental. And I think like panic attacks are sort of described differently. Like I know some people like they get really, they get like a racing heart. They think they're having a heart attack and often like end up calling out an ambulance and stuff. Um, for me, it was more like mental. Like I felt like I was going mental in my head. I had definitely had like the physical symptoms as well. And I suffered with panic disorder for like, you know, solidly. Like it was like I was in a constant panic attack for like two years. Like I couldn't, I really struggled to leave the house. I was like disassociating where basically now I, I've learned that. So disassociation, it, it's a type of mental health that sort of I think mostly tends to go along with like severe anxiety and it's basically where your body does it as a way of protecting you so it's like when your mind and your body reach the point of like complete panic and overwhelm you disassociate so and that is definitely what happens to me with these severe panic attacks where I feel like I'm going, it's like I'm, it's like my mind and my, my body aren't connected. And yeah, it's completely terrifying. Like I thought that I needed to be in a mental hospital. I didn't realize that, you know, when you explain it like that, like it's just, it's my body's way of protecting itself. It's like, it can't handle the, it can't handle the level of overwhelm and panic. So it does, it just does something weird to your brain. It doesn't feel like it's protecting you at all. It's like the most <laughs> terrifying thing ever. I don't want to go too in too like in depth and like, you know, bore people with like my whole entire story. But I think it's important to talk about that disassociation because I hadn't even heard of it until recently. So yeah, pretty much right from that first panic attack, um, I did actually start having suicidal thoughts because it was just so hard and I just wanted it to all end. And yeah, I think it's important to make the link between severe anxiety and suicidal thoughts because we often only link depression and suicide. But yeah, it does make sense that feeling terrified and already depressed could lead to those thoughts. So I just wanted to address that because I, I always felt really alone. Um, I hadn't ever heard of the link before. And it's weird, really, because it's only sort of like over the last few years, when I look back at that first experience of the panic disorder, when I was watching this video about euthanasia, where this woman was sort of like suffering so much, it was with a physical illness, that she didn't want to be here anymore. But she she was trying to get euthanasia and they were they were refusing to give it to her. And so it's kind of like she was sort of trapped between life and death, like her life, her existence was shit, but she couldn't end it. 
and that is honestly how I felt for a lot of years of my life it was like I was stuck between life and death it was like I was this woman in the video so yeah that's like really um really strange like you know trying to look back and, and piece it all together so yeah that's kind of just my my first experience it was it's you know mental and you know I'm so much I'm so much better now but I do still suffer with anxiety and you know the fear of this panic and going back to that place is is with is within me and um you know it still can be very um very debilitating you know like the physical symptoms of anxiety I think need to be normalized as well like I've been known to like faint at a wedding and just like chronic diarrhea for like weeks and I wasn't able to go on my friend's Hindu just things like that yeah I think the physical symptoms like massively need to be normalized and yeah as well like I've definitely I definitely experienced I would say a very low level of depression as a result of my anxiety it often comes just for like a few days after I have a really if I was to have like a a blip I just wanted yeah I just I wanted to explain kind of yeah, some of like the really personal stuff that I've been through because I felt so alone. Like, like I said, I didn't resonate with like what I would hear about normal panic attacks. And obviously, like I said, the disassociation is something that I hadn't come across before. So if anyone listening has like experienced any of that, then you're not alone. <laughs> so where I'm at with my journey now, um, I've actually just going down the medication route. Yeah, that's just something that I want to explore. And I think like we've discussed before Zoe it's kind of with the idea that you know if 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 you like your nervous system can just get used to relaxing a little bit more and your brain can kind of switch off you're then actually giving yourself like a fighting chance of like working through all of the other things and maybe like more of a long-term solution although obviously saying that people are on medication for their whole lives and yeah there's absolutely no shame in that so yeah, I, uh, it's too soon to kind of tell like how, you know, what this journey is going to be like for me, but I'm feeling really positive about it. Um, and I'm also still having psychotherapy alongside it. Mm, thank you so, so much for sharing so openly and honestly. And it's funny because we talk a lot about how everyone's experiences are valid and yet it still feels for me now to speak about my experiences of and I'm going to use like air quotes like just stress feels like oh maybe my story isn't isn't valid of being told and we can get into this like comparison but actually everybody needs to hear all of our stories and that's the power in sharing what we're sharing and getting out there so that we reach the people who resonate with every little bit of each of our individual stories and we hope to obviously open up this conversation more and more and continue conversations with our listeners as well and so for me the feeling that has had the biggest impact on my own mental health and looking back is stress and I could only really see that upon reflection and taking a step back how unnatural it was to feel stressed as much as I did previously in life and my previous job and how I was really aware that I would 
often I, I knew that when I came home from work I would always I would often say I know I come home from work either buzzing or stressed but it's only actually when I spoke that out loud to my partner Ryan one day and I asked him which he thought I was more and he without hesitation said definitely stressed more often then that was that was the the turning point where I realized that I needed to change that and that conversation is actually then what triggered me to decide to quit my job and travel because it prompted a lot of deeper thoughts within me like there must be more to life than this and then really started my self-development journey getting to know lots more about myself which in turn has just helped me to focus more on taking care of myself but I I like thinking back I don't know how long I could have gone on living like that the amount of hours in the day or days in the week that I was living in that stress state because I remember looking up afterwards to see that like stress is not a natural state to just live in constantly it's literally like been developed as the fight or flight response it's supposed to be used in you know situations where we are being attacked by predators historically and things like that but not um it's not a state that's normal to live in but I never realized that like I didn't consciously have that thought that what I was experiencing wasn't wasn't normal because everyone around me seemed stressed as well no one was really talking about how we could how we could stop that how we could speak up about it how we could open up the conversation within the workplace or within our homes no one really seemed to mention broaching broaching the subject at all so yeah obviously wanted to share share from from my experiences as well Zoe I know you're also super open about your own journey do you want to let us know how mental health has um, played a played a part in your life yeah of course and just just before I do though like I just wanted to touch on you saying like that you feel like because yours was like based on stress that that might not be like as big of a topic to discuss but I think with mental health if it's something that's impacting the quality of your life no matter how small that might seem to you compared to what someone else is going through if that's impacting how you feel about life how you can manage day to day and just your overall happiness it's important and it's valid and it shouldn't matter what anyone else is going through because they're not living your life and you're not living theirs so how you Mm. feel is valid regardless of how big or small you think it is so I think it's important that everybody has space to tell tell their story and, and say how they feel about things. So, so important. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, gosh, my story. <laughs> Mine, I feel, has been gone on for a very long time. But looking back, I don't actually, I don't know, like, when my struggles really started. It's, it's kind of always been there. And it's only been as I've become more aware of things and I've had more of an understanding of mental health, what it is, what it looks like that looking back, I can sort of piece together that actually it's something that's kind of always been there for me and definitely from a very young age. And I would say, you know, my first real experience of like that I can, I can remember properly was probably around age 10. So I was still at primary school and I remember being at school and just like being very aware of feeling really sad all the time or just having this kind of typically kind of depressive mood like I didn't really want to do things I wanted to be at home all the time I 
struggle to feel happy or get enjoyment from things. And I just didn't feel like I fit in. It felt very strange because at that age, when you, when we were at school, it wasn't something that was talked about. Mental health wasn't something that was discussed as children. So I always felt very disconnected from other people because I felt like I didn't know who I was. I didn't understand how I felt. So it just kind of bubbled away under the surface and I became quite the pro at hiding how I felt. So I put on this like exterior of, oh yeah, life's great. I'm happy. I'm a child. I'm great. I'm everything's fine. And inside, like I just felt awful and sad and miserable. And then this amplified as I went to secondary school and obviously you go through all the struggles that teenagers go through and you hit puberty and life's awful and you hit everybody and everyone's out to get you. So all of that built off with all these other feelings that I had. And I just kind of accepted that that was just how I was that, you know, I was just this sad person and that was just who I was, but I had to hide it because nobody would want to be around somebody miserable all the time. And then it wasn't until I went to uni and we were told about like the counseling service that the university offered. And I started to think, oh, maybe this is something that might help me. You know, I started to kind of recognize things that they were talking about in myself. And I remember talking to it about with, with it with my partner, because we were together at the time and saying, oh, I think I might need this. But because I'd hidden it so well, he was like, oh, are you sure? Like, I don't think you're at that stage. And that kind of, I was like, oh, maybe, maybe I'm not there. Maybe I'm overreacting to things. Maybe I'm being dramatic. Like we talked about earlier, like, is it as bad as I think? And, you know, I was just, I was so miserable, but on the surface, I was this happy, chilled person and I was becoming more and more aware of the disconnect. And I ended up, I didn't go for help with my uni because I just kind of convinced myself that I didn't need it. And I was also very, very afraid that people would think less of me or that they might start to pity me or look, look at me differently. And I didn't want that. I didn't want people to think I was any less capable than I was. And then I think it was probably another two years before I actually reached out for help, before I felt comfortable to like say, actually, this is really impacting me. I can't carry on like this. I'm really unhappy. And I went to my GP, who was the loveliest person. I was really, really lucky that he really listened to me and and took my, my feelings on board. So from there, I was given a diagnosis of quite severe depression and I was started on medication and then referred to counseling. And that was a bit of a roller coaster since then. So I've tried like lots of different therapies. Some things didn't go very well. I didn't get like the right reaction from people. I was made to feel, you know, like there was something wrong with me or I was doing it wrong. But I've tried lots of different things. And I feel like I finally got to a place now where I know what works for me and I can recognize when I need that support. And I think, you know, a lot of the time we can try and find a trigger or, you know, what's what's the cause for this? Like what what traumatic experience have I had? And I think... A lot of people do have that, but I think for me and for some other people is it is just a part of us. And I think looking back, I can see that now that this is just the way my brain is that, you know, then that's why I'm quite happy with taking medication, because I think for me, there is something in my brain that just isn't formed properly or, you know, I'm missing a certain like, like my serotonin levels just aren't right. And they're not, you know, working the way they normally would for other people. And for me, that is what what my cause is. There isn't a specific defining moment or traumatic experience or trigger. It is just a part of me. And I think accepting that and realizing that this is just something I have to work with has been a massive help for me in my journey because I'm not constantly seeking to find the answer. I, I kind of feel like I've got there. And I know now that when I am struggling, there are things that I need to look for. So that's kind of that's kind of where I've been. It's an ongoing process. It's something that 
I think it's important to realize that with mental health, it's not just a quick fix and done. It's something that you will continually work on as you face different things in your life and a different part of your life will be easier and other times it will be harder, but it's, it's an ongoing process. Absolutely. Thank you so much as well for taking us through your individual journey. I really want to touch on as well now, what has been the most supportive and also unsupportive things that that we have all tried personally? So for me personally, my whole self-development journey since 2018 has been all about getting to know myself, what I need to take care of myself and, and what I want from life. And that for me has kept things like my emotional well-being at the forefront. And often it's involved digging quite deep into that as somebody who wasn't used to speaking up a lot about emotions and working on things like being able to label what I'm feeling more specifically and learning how to process and deal with emotions. Because I would always say that I'm such a positive thinker and previously I would automatically try and turn any negative feelings back positive but now I think I can I can see that like learning to actually allow and acknowledge any what are seen as negative emotions in order to be able to move them move through them sorry in a really healthy way is what is going to be most supportive of me and also supportive like it's anything for me that helps me to get a bit of an outsider perspective on things that I have found really helpful so actually stepping outside of the workplace for example or being outside of the situation to view it more objectively and this might have happened for people um during lockdown as well because it happened for me more once I was traveling and I was out of my job and able to see actually what my mental health was there and how that wasn't the norm much more than I could when I was rushing about stressed day to day So I am much more intentional now when it comes to investing my time, my money and my energy and support in in all different kinds of health and self-care support. In all honesty, my sort of strategy for that is whatever I feel most supportive of me at the time. And I choose that quite intuitively. So it might be that I try some Reiki healing or it might be that I'm working with a life coach at that time because that is absolutely, for me, one of the most powerful ways that you can get reflected back to you what you are feeling. It might be that I'm looking at the vitamins as part of my diet or meditation is a huge one for me as well. Or even just, and something that I am still doing um, almost daily at the moment, is just writing out a morning brainstorm of everything that's in my head. So I can literally just see all my thoughts on paper, not judge them, but just become aware of what's going on in my head. Because sometimes I surprise myself and actually... By doing that, it gets the worries out of my mind much more than me trying to think about or analyze what's happening with me. It just, I let that flow out onto paper and it sort of allows me to get that, that perspective that way. What about you, Hannah? What, what would you say in terms of like supportive or unsupportive practices or experiences that you've had? I just want to say before I talk about me, I think like 
I really admire all of your your commitment to your like personal development and your self-care and stuff and I think like just touching quickly on what what you said earlier about like that feeling of like the stress not being valid as like yeah as as like a mental health issue I think like it is just it's just really important to point out that actually like if you're like Abby and maybe you have like a, a slightly lower level like mental health issue being able to do all of those things that that she just said at this early stage that could be the difference between like you suffering more so thank you I appreciate I appreciate you saying that I I agree I think it's really really valid yeah so for me um I am still figuring it all out to be honest I think like Zoe like you said about going through the NHS so I think when I was 14 I I might be wrong but I don't think that talking therapy which is something they offer through the NHS was a thing I think it might have just been medication and I think you know they are like reluctant to give medication to anyone under 18 or 16 or whatever and I think also at the time obviously like I wasn't an an adult I couldn't like necessarily you know make my own decision and my mum also I don't think she didn't like want to just put a plaster over it which I completely completely understand um, and respect so yeah I think like looking back I could have done with like a couple of years of being like sedated just to get me through the hard times but also I think I I actually would have been too scared of meds because like some of the side effects can be like voices in your head and like suicidal thoughts and things like when you read the packaging and um, my therapist and I were actually like laughing about this fairly recently. The fact that like, it's ironic that someone with anxiety would be anxious about taking an anti-anxiety tablet. But I feel like that just really sums up anxiety and like particularly like health anxiety, which is definitely something that I have. So yeah, I just want to like share that because I think that has been a massive thing for me. And it probably does sound ridiculous to some people that an anxious person could be anxious about taking an anti-anxiety drug but it's very much a thing but yeah I think that like time has just time has just been a huge one for me just gradual gradual getting like better with age and just learning about myself I think like the longer you've been suffering the more sort of like layers that you can have to undo I think I'm definitely like quite a layered case so I kind of don't feel like a quick fix is necessarily available. I think I have probably needed to sort of explore and undo certain blocks at certain times. But yeah, in terms of like what I've tried, I have tried so many things like alternative therapies and stuff. So I've tried homeopathy, hypnotherapy, Reiki, EFT, somatic healing, kinesiology, and I've tried like certain diets and like vitamins and like natural kind of antidepressants and things and I've tried counseling and psychotherapy as well and I think that everything I've tried has probably helped me a little bit or at least like led me on to the next thing because I do really believe in like synchronicities and if I look back I can see that like meeting someone through doing a certain thing has led me on to the next step and like that's what happened I say I'd say when I had like pretty big shift with my mental health I won't go into into all of like the synchronicities leading up to it but I basically saw this CBT therapist oh yeah CBT something else I've tried something else to add to the list um yeah and she I basically had like three sessions with her and she was like look like I can't help you like you're too like far gone whatever 
And I was like, oh my God. But yeah, I mean, that was horrendous. That was such a shock. But it gave me this like massive wake up call. Like she was like, you really need to look deep inside yourself and like find out what you want and everything. And I was thinking like, just want to not be anxious. Like that's what I'm seeing you for. Like it really pissed me off at the time. But anyway, that is when I found spirituality. And then uh, like since finding spirituality, it led me to coaching. And I think like, and obviously like more personal development, like I have been into personal development for a few years, but it just kind of heightened everything. And I think, yeah, I think like that getting to know myself and that self-acceptance, like you were saying, Zoe, about like actually maybe, you know, maybe part of me actually was kind of anxious. Like I was talking to my mum about this and she said that like from the moment I came out the womb, I was like so alert, like looking around at everything, like I couldn't sit still. And like when she tried to hold me, I was just like straight like a board like I just wouldn't like relax into her arms and all of this stuff and so yeah I kind of think actually like yes I think there are triggers I just think therapy and personal development and all of the work sort of looking back can help you to start to accept yourself and the way that you are but I think like with spirituality like a lot of people do turn to like faith when they go through hard times and I think having faith in like the universe and my path has really helped me to accept my mental health struggles like I do feel like I was probably I believe that everyone is given the shit that they need to learn to grow and I do believe that like I'm getting really like out there now guys but I do believe that like my soul chose to go through the struggles that I have which a few years ago if someone told me that I'd be like fuck off no one wants to struggle (laughs) (laughs) Not not that obviously I want to struggle but I kind of, yeah, I just, and I think having faith in that, that actually this is leading me somewhere and I've been given this path because I'm strong enough to handle it. It, it, yeah, it's, it's that faith and it's massively helped me. And I think like Abby, like with your personal development and your self-care and things, yeah, like that stuff is like having positives to focus on through like personal development and therapy, getting to know yourself, like I talk about astrology all, all of the time, like with my clients and stuff as well. And I've found it so useful to just get to know myself. And it just helps you to stop fighting against the things that you that you find hard. So yeah, it's not a cure, but I think like acceptance and self-discovery can play a huge part in recovery. Do you know what? I just want to say that I just think it's so inspiring the way that you can and I'm sure it doesn't necessarily always feel like this on your journey at different times but I think it's really inspiring how you can look at your journey and see it and view it as all part of your story and I think that's where we can embrace owning our story and all parts of us and and sharing our journey and almost using that to to rise together Zoe, what about you? Unsupportive, or supportive practices, all welcomed. I think quite like Hannah, it's been kind of a bit of trying a bit of everything. Because like I said, it's been like a bit of a, a roller coaster. And I tried lots of different approaches to try and find what worked best for me. And there've been a lot of things that just weren't right for me. And it took a really long time for me to realize that I needed to find my own way to handle things. And that just because one approach worked for someone else, 
didn't mean it was going to be right for me. And I had some pretty negative experiences at the start of my journey where I was made to feel like I was doing something wrong, that I wasn't committed enough to my progress and just like I was a bit of a nuisance to be honest like I was taking off this person's time and there was better things that they could have been doing and that really hindered me because obviously these are the people I was going to for help they were trained professionals and they made me feel worse or bad about myself so it really put me off seeking any other help and kind of burying my head in the sand for a long time but like Hannah like I hugely believe that everything leads us to where we're meant to be and looking back those experiences were there to guide me to try something else that that they weren't right for me at the time but they weren't what I needed and instead I shifted my view to one of well let's just explore like let's try and find different approaches and, and just see what fits and if it doesn't fit then I can cross it off my list and I'll be closer to finding what works for me and I think that's so important to always keep you at the forefront and and not what others will think or do like what what's right for you is what's important so for example like a lot of people are against medication for things for depression and everyone has their own reasoning behind it and and how they feel about it is absolutely fine but some people see it as like masking the problem but for me it's been a huge help and I don't think I'd be where I am today without medication because it's Mm. really allowed me to break out of those depressive episodes and think more clearly and when I've been taking it, that's when I've been more proactive in seeking therapy or support, which I wouldn't have done otherwise. Because like I said earlier, I think for me, it's a natural thing. It's a natural part of my brain is that I have these, these feelings, these emotions, these struggles. So without that medication, I can't then see the bigger picture. I can't see other ways to get myself feeling better or the support that I need. And yeah, I've tried, I've tried lots of different things. So like Hannah, like I've tried like counseling, CBT, talking therapy. I've tried like the online therapy where it's just like talking back and forward, like via text message, because at the start of my journey, I was very self-conscious about it. I didn't really want to open up. And I think part of that comes back to being an introvert. I didn't really know how to talk about it. And I just wanted to be on my own and sit at home and I didn't want to make a phone call. So I tried like online therapy and and kind of all it's all contributed in different ways but the one that I think that just kind of blew my mind was hypnotherapy and again I don't think I would have tried that if I hadn't been on medication and hadn't been feeling slightly better anyway to then be open to trying it and say well do you know what what's the worst that's going to happen let's just explore it and see and yeah it was life-changing and it was just so incredibly powerful and it shifted a lot of things for me that had been stuck for a really long time but I know for other people they maybe not get the same results that I might have had so like like anything it's Mm. just finding what works for you and being open and willing to embrace the fact that it's going to be trial and error it's not going to be a quick fix but it can and will get better if you just keep trying Thank you so much. And I think you're absolutely right. It's different things, not just even different things for different people, but different things for different people at different times of the journey as well. Absolutely. Sometimes you'll be open to things. Sometimes you're not. Sometimes something just happens to land in your lap and it takes your interest. So you then go and look up that therapy or support session or or whatever it might be thank you so so much for sharing those and I'd love to just 
move on as well to now just be able to reflect from our own experiences of mental health how we can open up and normalize the conversations with our friends loved ones and and others as well and for me just going at it again with a with a proactive point of view and I think the lockdown again has supported me with this I am just much more aware of checking in with my loved ones regularly and often this might just be sending them memories or voice notes or videos it's not always asking you know how are you feeling but sometimes it is and letting people know and showing them that I'm here for them if they want to talk about what they're going through but I also have to then put in a little self-care side note that we have to be careful of not putting ourselves in a position where we feel responsible for everybody's mental health because we can we can then take on and become the support system for every single person around us so for me it's always a focus on self-care first getting in my daily practices or what I need whatever I need for that day to take care of myself before I'm responding to messages from other people or you know making sure of where I'm at to know whether I need to reach out or whether I need to be the the one that people reach out to or whether I need to be reaching out myself I think yeah, the proactive approach is also great then to role model for your loved ones and how they can proactively look after themselves as well. What would you say on this one, Han? I agree. And actually, like, as an empath, I can just naturally attract people that need my help. And often I'm not in a mm. place to be able to, you know, help someone with those really like deep issues. So yeah, I think that self-care that you said is really, really important and being able to say no and have boundaries and, you know, say actually like, I think you need to see a therapist rather than offloading onto me. But yeah, I think you're right as well. Like lockdown has um, definitely helped to open up conversations. Like I've had people say to me that they've never experienced anxiety until over this last year. And it's meant that they've been able to sort of sympathize slightly. So that's been amazing. And yeah, like, I think, like in our last episode, when we were talking about speaking our truth, like, I've never really struggled to speak about it. Like, I think I've all, I, I am just naturally good at sharing and talking. I think it's really good to have like a core group of people that you speak to. And I'd also say like, don't be afraid to sort of like, correct people and remind them like, it is surprising how sometimes people forget still that you're that you might be suffering when you look okay on the outside like you know like sometimes for example like I've had to cancel things in the past and sometimes people might think you're being rude or not making an effort sort of like forgetting that sometimes like your body just really doesn't want to leave the house so yeah don't be afraid to sort of like you know remind people and also I guess be forgiving that people do forget sometimes and something that's helped me and like this this might be a bit much for some people but a couple of years ago or yeah probably about two years ago I felt really cool to start talking about my mental health struggles on social media and yeah it really helped me because it meant that I had the time to actually like articulate and write what I wanted to say and work out the best way to explain things and then like people who wanted to find out more could and then those who didn't like didn't have to so yeah I guess like if that's something that you feel like could help you then definitely like give 
give that a go. I think there will always be some people who just aren't interested and just don't care about something unless it affects them. And I think like, you know, we do really need to learn to accept this. And that's something I, I definitely struggled with in the past, but now I am just, yeah, just so much more accepting of the fact that we're all different. Some people will always just have the, like, just pull yourself together mindset. But yeah, it's just, it's more important to just like save your energy and yeah, just not worry about those people. And I think as well, like it is actually, it is actually helpful to like have certain people in your life where you can just switch off to all of that stuff and, you know, like just have a laugh with people and like, they might not necessarily like be someone you want to open up to about deep stuff, but actually like, that's okay. Mm, I love those insights. Thank you. What about you, Zoe? I think it can be really really hard to start the conversation if you are feeling a certain way but something that's worked for me that I find really helpful is to ask the other person first like how are you doing how are things and then I felt more comfortable to speak about how I was feeling rather than just jumping straight in and saying I'm really struggling with this and finding ways to lead into that and just like knowing that it's okay to be honest so like recently I was really struggling with how I was feeling and my mood was was really low and my friend had asked, like, I'd asked her how she was. And then she asked me and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. And then afterwards was like, you know what? Actually, that wasn't an honest answer. I'm not fine. I'm really struggling. And that was enough to start the conversation. So I didn't have to, you know, specifically say what I was struggling with or what I was finding hard, but just saying, yeah, I'm just finding life a bit difficult at the minute. And then we were able to have that conversation. And like Hannah said, I think some people won't give you the response you want or make you feel good about what you share. And it's really important to remember that's not a reflection of you. Like that's nothing to do with you. That's just how they're responding to it. And, you know, as we've discussed, a lot of people struggle with how to respond to mental health and therefore won't know how to support you. So I think it's really important to be selective with who you open up to initially and and try to protect yourself from that. So if you're already feeling fragile, then those kind of responses aren't going to make you feel any better and they're not going to help you. So I would pick maybe one or two people you really trust and speak to them when you know you both have time for the conversation. So not when you're just about to leave for work or if they're doing something that's going to distract them, you know, do yourself a favor, help yourself out and and pick the moment to talk about it where you are going to feel supported with somebody that's going to be able to give you that time. And that can really help that conversation and help you open up more. Thank you so, so much. So we just want to end as always with some tips. Um, obviously today it's going to be how you can support your mental health and advice for speaking out and, you know, where we can get support from. Zoe, do you want to start us off with that one? Yeah, I think, I think the first thing to do is to to get really honest with yourself. So you won't be able to talk to anyone openly or get the right support if you're not honest with yourself, if you don't know what it is that you're really dealing with or have an idea of what you're dealing with. So give yourself permission to prioritize yourself and spend time working on you. And don't push it to the back of your mind. Like let those thoughts come through so that you can get clear, start to get an idea of what's going on for you. As well, if you have a bad experience of talking to someone or opening up to someone, whether it's a friend or a professional, don't let that deter you from from seeking further help because you have every right if something isn't working for you to explore something else and likewise if the person you are talking to isn't giving you the support it's okay to move on and find someone else to help you with that you know I've had so many sessions with therapists over the years and at the beginning 
I stuck with them like out of like British politeness oh no it's okay I'll just I don't want to hurt their feelings I'll just keep going to them (laughs) even though it wasn't a good fit for me and I couldn't open up to them or just you know it just wasn't it just wasn't right the chemistry wasn't there so if it isn't working for you try something else like don't don't feel you have to stick with it and someone that I really admire I don't follow an awful lot of like accounts that talk about mental health simply because I don't feel like it helps me it's not something that you know, that I benefit from. But someone I do really admire is Matt Haig, who is um, a mental health advocate. He does lots of writing. He's amazing. Um, And he just speaks so beautifully about mental health and normalizes a lot of the struggles that we go through. He's just someone I relate to. So he's, he's a really good person to follow. And his books are so incredible. And his book at the minute that I'm reading, The Midnight Library, kind of touches a bit like on what you were saying earlier, had a like feeling that you're kind of stuck between like, life and death like that kind of in between where you don't really know what's going on so that's a really good book if anybody's feeling feeling that way Mm. that's really interesting I am I read his book a few years ago reasons to stay alive and yeah I really resonated with that so I feel like I need to read that one you just mentioned for me um I think it's I think it's really helpful to get your coping strategies together so that you can just like cope with something in the moment like it's it's not like a long-term fix but like I know for me, like maybe there's certain music or like a certain TV program or something. Um, I think it can just be helpful to just have a, a quick distraction. And then of course, in the background, to just be working on like long-term healing and recovery. So yeah, like, and then kind of expanding on, on that even more, like there's certain breathing techniques and like meditation and then obviously medication and therapy. For breathing techniques, I actually have found Wim Hof the most helpful because it's it's not like sort of a calm, let's sit down and listen to spa music meditation. It's like very strong, like breathing. And I think hearing his voice as well, like talk you through it, it kind of, for me, if I'm feeling particularly anxious, I find that much more helpful than a more sort of like floaty meditation because it's when you're feeling anxious, you really need that sort of like quick, like going to take control of this. Like you need like the strong breathing. So yeah, that's just a little tip. Yeah. And just like try and get clear on your triggers. Like for example, like if, if you get anxious in social situations or like you really care what people think about you, then like, you know, there's always books on like different types of things. And yeah, like Zoe said, like follow accounts that help you so that you know that you're not alone. I find that sometimes like if I'm in like a really good place with my anxiety, I don't want to look at any anxiety accounts because I just don't want to like be reminded that it's a thing. And then sometimes like if I'm feeling really anxious, then I, I still don't want to look at anxiety accounts because you're kind of then just looking for like the coping strategies and things. But I think it can be really helpful if you're just feeling a bit crap and alone with it. So I follow the anxiety healer. Mm. Well, I think one of the the tips that has challenged and supported me at the same time is to challenge myself to answer the question, how are you, as honestly and openly as I can. And that's whether it feels like a typically positive response or a typically negative response, because we can at the same time try and like dull down what we're feeling to to, to try and support others in some way. So 
it's the it's the honesty around that for me and actually the amount of times that I've gone with I'm good thanks and then changed it to think actually let's just think about the last week or the last few days or the last few hours maybe there's been a few up and downs in there maybe I'll share a couple of those because perhaps the person that I'm speaking to may relate or may just have some words of support or wisdom for me and sometimes actually using that prompt as a time to check in with myself so it's actually all also really healthy to set up in some way a regular check-in with yourself and your emotions whether that be literally a phone reminder as often as you feel would be supportive for you or you know a a weekly thing schedule that me time like you would any other appointment with you know seeing friends or anything to into the diary and commit to it like it's that as well and I think being brave enough to broach the subject with your loved ones is so so worth it because I've just found even just by opening up a a little bit and asking those questions and probably sort of like clenching my teeth together as I've done it like oh gosh are they gonna feel bad for how they're feeling now or are they gonna react to this in the wrong way actually you know I have had minimal if any negative reactions to asking people how they are offering support and you know showing them that that I'm there for them in that way so thank you so so much ladies for going through this today for opening up and this just feels like such a powerful episode I hope that like listening in you can carry on the conversations with us if this has resonated with you we are going to add some resources in this podcast description but I would also recommend like as you've heard from our journeys and all the different things that we have tried at different times in our journeys, I'd also recommend that you do your own research and try to search for what you feel you need support with specifically, and then explore the options yourself and how that feels for you. See what you're drawn towards, because there is so much support out there. It's worth just running that through and seeing what feels supportive for you. So thank you so, so much for listening today and we will speak to you on the next episode. This has been Speak Up Queen. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and we'd love it if you would leave us a review. Find and follow us on Instagram to carry on the conversation. You can find me at abby.fish, Hannah at hannah.allsop.coach and Zoe at she.is.coaching. Thanks for listening and chat to you soon.